Pet Chat Wednesday afternoon, Denny Boz and our special guest Sue Barker on the line. Yeah, hi Sue, thanks for joining us. Hi Denny, thank you for asking me. Uh, now Sue is the founder of Dog Rescue Newcastle, who is a great volunteer organisation that helps in terms of rescuing dogs that are stuck at the pounds or pretty much possibly could be euthanised, but you guys help to save them. We do, yes. We try to, um, you know, we rescue as many as we can on a daily basis. Uh, what happened, I, I think you also would rescue cats, or is that a different organisation now? Well, we do have um, Cat Rescue Newcastle now operating, yep. which is really good. So I'm basically concentrating on dogs and puppies. Okay. Now, Sue... I also thought it was timely to talk to you because I know during Christmas time there are people who may purchase pets impulsively for presents or gifts and then come a couple of months after Christmas there is a chance that a percentage of them would end up at the pound once the cuteness is gone. Has that been the case? Are the pounds pretty full at the moment? Look, I think the pounds um, are facing an uphill battle with the numbers of animals that are coming in. Um, uh, the, the local pounds um, that we deal with, we, we're basically coping with, but I look at the um, sites, the Sydney pounds are just being in, um, inundated with um, unwanted animals at the moment. Okay. What is, what is the cause of, of that problem? Um, I guess um, unregulated breeding. Yep. We're seeing uh, situations now where a lot of backyard, backyard breeders are yes. just breeding litters of puppies oh, and kittens, you know, to sell, to make a profit. Yes. Um, these animals, there's no control. The animals are being sold, not microchipped, not vaccinated. A lot of them are in poor health. Um, and we're, we're seeing those animals at the end of, you know, three to six months when, they, when the new owners who purchase them um, realise that they do have health problems. Mm. And um, quite often these animals are surrendered to us or to um, local impounding facilities. Okay. What would you then recommend to people who are looking at buying puppies or kittens? What should they check where these puppies and kittens come from? They should definitely check where possible the parents of the animal. Yeah. Um, they should never be met, for example, at McDonald's with, with um, people with, with a load of puppies in the back of their car because mm. you can be sure that if the people don't want you to see where the animals come from, they obviously don't come from very good conditions and right. maybe the parents are not kept in very good conditions. So certainly look at the parents where possible. Um, speak to the, the vet that the person who's breeding the animal uses. Get some sort of recommendation and history that um, the animals are all in good health. Um, and just look, look at, you know, I guess look at the animal itself. You know, look at, you know, it's legs, it's eyes, all those sorts of things, make sure that you do have a healthy puppy because if they do purchase from these backyard breeders and something happens down the track, I mean, we're just having surgery done in Sydney today on a dog that came from a backyard breeder that's oh. had to, got to have eye surgery, yes. um, chronic dry eye. So a lot of these animals do have these problems. Okay. I guess um, from my point of view, I also encourage people to, if they want to buy a particular breed, go for a, a pedigree breed with a breeder that is gown, bound by the ethics of an organisation like Dogs New South Wales, who they can't just keep on breeding um, from the same female or, or from the family of, of dogs. That's also a recommendation I like to give to people myself. Oh, if you're looking for a particular breed of animal, yes, just go to a... Um, a well-known ethical breeder, definitely. Now, however, if 
if they are wanting to help a rescue organisation, how do they, do they contact uh, yourselves, for example? Well, they, we've got a very active um, website and Facebook page. Um, my numbers, I'm contactable on, on mobile number on the, on the website. Yes. Um, and I'm, I'm basically available, you know, 24-7. <laughs> I hope they don't ring me at night. But, I mean, <laughs> there's someone always available with our rescue group. That's a, a, a priority for us. That we are contactable. I talking a little bit about cats. We've mainly talked about dogs, but I believe there is a problem in in Stockton with a lot of cats that have been released there and are in the wild. Is that the case? Oh, look, there's a huge problem, and the councils. I think the the councils, local councils here, aren't acting um, responsibly towards um, these situations where there are a lot of cats. They won't go and trap them. They they offer no help whatsoever. They're also. I mean, I've I've notified councils of situations where people are just constantly breeding cats Mm -hmm. these animals are not microchipped they're not registered some of the councils the councils have the power to do something about it and basically a lot of the councils really don't recognize cats as being um anything a companion animal species really uh, one other thing in terms of buying backyard, uh, puppies or kittens and you talk about backyard breeders of of both types of animals or pets if someone's buying a puppy or a kitten from a pet store, does, does that mean they're not from backyard breeders or far from it? No, definitely. A lot of, these, a lot of the uh, puppies and kittens that are sold in pet shops come from backyard breeders. Right. And okay. people would be horrified if they saw the conditions that the parents are kept in. You know, I know I could you know, name you know, 20 off, off, straight off. And um, there's no one actually policing this situation. Okay. So, and that's all contributing to these, these issues, I guess. Uh, not great news, but hopefully the situation might improve throughout the year. Sue? Well, hopefully. We keep trying. <laughs> okay. Well, if, uh, if anyone wants to get in contact with Sue Barker, just Google Dog Rescue Newcastle and you'll be able to get all the details. Thank you very much, Sue. Can we get your perspective on this as a vet, please, Dave? Yeah, thanks, thanks Dave. And that was uh, a great chatting with Sue, um, Danny. So um, it was interesting. I think Sue's raised a lot of really important points. I think one of the key things just at the end there, just saying about with um, pet stores and backyard breeders, it is important if you're buying a pet to uh, be aware of the circumstances, not just because it would impact on future health, but also because as a responsibility to the species, I think that we, you know, you're buying a product that's sourced from an unsustainable or an unsafe environment Mm. or other pets are being harmed. Uh, and Sue said, well, look, it, it's not being regulated. There is actually regulations around those areas, code of uh, e- uh, ethics, I think, for yes. pet stores. And also the RSPCA has the ability to enter property where they feel that the animals are not being cared for properly. And there's very well-described cases in locally, as we know, where that they've been uh, involved and had to... Um, you know, go on to properties. But I think the case is about policing it and maybe enough funds to do it. Well, yes. the RSPCA are there, but they need to know. Yeah. So if people are suspicious, look, there's no drama. Get in contact because my experience is very often is when the inspectors get involved, their first approach is going to be from an educational point of view. And then if they can see outright cases of uh, animal cruelty or aggravated animal cruelty, they are very strict to act. But, yeah, they will, if you're feeling, oh, I'm not so sure, is someone being, you know, looking after their pets well, um, sometimes a personal approach or the next thing is speak to the RSPCA because they do have the power 
to regulate these laws that are already in existence. Here's a quick question for you, okay? If I'm looking to get a, a, a puppy, right, and I've got a particular breed in mind, and I see in the Saturday Herald newspaper, here's that breed, someone advertising, and they live in such and such suburb. If I go there and they say, it's a purebred, what are my expectations? What am I going to get? If they say, oh, we don't have papers, but it's a yeah. purebred, does it mean that if you're buying a purebred, you will get papers or you shouldn't have expectations to get papers? If they are a registered breeder um, with Dogs New South Wales who supports breeders of purebred dogs, then they will be able to give papers, pedigree papers, through that organisation's to the person that's buying the puppy. So you can still get a purebred yeah, animal but, but don't have papers for but it. But, Dave, the thing about pedigree papers is they're really only of use to you if you're showing and breeding. Mm -hmm. If you're just after a pet, okay, then you don't need papers. Mm -hmm. um, and to me, you know, I've seen some dogs come in and people say, oh, they're a purebred this, and I'm like, yeah, and the other half of him is this other breed. You know, so oh, people okay. will say different things. Sure, if they've got papers, you can be sure it's a particular breed. I think Danny asked the point earlier. If you're after a particular breed, speak to a breeder, look at the mm -hmm. breed societies. That's the best avenue. But you don't need papers just to have a okay. pet. Well, yeah, that's right. You don't need. But I guess it's going to your point, like if you particularly wanted and definitely wanted that breed and nothing mixed in it, that is when, that's I guess, right. to feel safe and secure, okay. uh, you would need to get the papers with it. Our vet, Dr. David Tabbert, is here. And we're saying good afternoon to Heather from Barnsley. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Hi, Heather. What can we do for you? Um, I've got poodles, but one of them... Um, I got from a friend and she's, um, she got her from a breeder mm -hmm. and she's been debarked. Oh, the buggers have come out the front now. <laughs> um, anyway, she does a lot of coughing and sort of choking mm -hmm. and then she tries to get whatever there's in her throat up. Yep. Should I see something, like go and see about her or is that normal? Uh, been debarked? Well, not normal. Um, very often, so what happens is with this debarking procedure and i'll just give a bit of background for people uh it's not done very often these days uh there's a, it's a real gray area okay so um i know that it's it's been done in the past um and it's been considered in some ways an easy fix for a particular problem as in barking uh, but nowadays we've moved more towards the point where it becomes an act of last resort. And I think the current rules are that uh, it's actually, I'm not sure of the legal side of it, but it can only be done if the only other option is euthanasia. So in other words, it's not an allowable procedure unless an animal would otherwise be euthanized for the behavior. Terrible thing <coughs> to have done to a dog. Well, I think that there's a couple of issues there, and the the one one big issue that you're uh, asking about mm. is in regards to the um, surgical skill, because it is a procedure that can have risk of side effects. So, mm. um, what actually happens is that in this procedure, the vocal cords are cut, and these are a, a f fine series of tendons, if you like, across the uh, the airway passage in the larynx. So as we know, the voice box, and they tighten and, and loosen uh, to produce different pitch sounds. And if you cut them, then it's very hard for an animal to make a sound, and they just sort of get this hoarse sort of rather than... Yeah, so the behaviour actually yeah. still continues. Yeah. It's just that we can't hear them, and it, yeah. you know, that's rather precious for us. But it's the 
choking thing. So that's where this other mm-hmm. issue comes in. So when I talk about operator skill, what actually I'm referring to is that in the procedure, they can end up with damage to one of the surrounding uh, cartilage or possibly the nerves, and that can produce a problem uh, where they develop what's called aspiration or laryngeal paralysis. Now, that could be potentially life-threatening. Um, the degree to which it's occurring, it, unfortunately, it can't be fixed or nothing can be done about it except that we can try and avoid problems like aspiration, which is where food or fluid or some such goes down into the airway and the dog starts to cough and choke exactly as you've described. My suggestion would be that it is probably worth getting checked out, particularly if you've only had this dog a short time. And just to be careful with feeding and fluids and how you set them up, bowls have to be elevated, things like that. It can be a little bit tricky, but it's probably worth getting checked out. Unfortunately, there's nothing can be done to actually ref- you know, revert to the original state. We continue our calls and we're saying hello right now to Craig, who's with us from Woodbury. How are you doing, Craig? I'm very good, thank you, and thank you for taking my call this afternoon. Not a problem, Craig. What can we do for you? Uh, well, first of all, before we get on to the problem I rang for, I just wanted to endorse what Sue had to say about uh, Dog Rescue Newcastle. I actually adopted a dog from them 18 months ago, and uh, in January I became one of their new foster carers too. Oh, wow, great. Good just work. pay them back a little bit, and uh, I think the, the puppy's going to stay the way things are going. Uh. <laughs> we may end up with three animals in the house. <laughs> However, the reason I'm calling is uh, we've got a nine-year-old mixed-breed dog. Mm-hmm. Um, she'd be going on to at least 10 years this year. Um, and just lately, she, well, she sleeps inside on the bed because that's the sort of people we are. Yep. Um, when we get up in the morning, we find um, hard nuggets uh, dropped on the floor in different places. Right. Now, she's the type of dog that will come and cry at you and wake you up if she needs to go outside to be clean. She, she doesn't mess in the house as a rule. But uh, it's been worrying us that, that maybe she, she might be losing a bit of control there or something because... Um, they're, they're always sort of like a, a hard lump when you find them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and normally, as you said, she would actually get you up. So are these oh, nights... Oh, definitely. She, yeah. she, she cries and, and whines and, and really, really gets uh, destroyed if, if you're sleeping fairly heavily. Um, her appetite's still the same. Uh, we feed our dog Supercoat, and uh, she, she's, she's fine with her activity levels mm-hmm. and that although she does enjoy her um, comfort on the lounge. But uh, it's, it's just the fact that we're, we're finding these on quite a regular basis. Okay. Uh, you said that she's a mixed-breed dog, so what, yes. do, what do you think the major breeds are? <sighs> it's hard to her. tell. She's sort of like halfway between a whippet and a greyhound in her build, Right. and she's got the colouring of a German shepherd, and the tail's a bit like a blue cattle dog. <laughs> and when we got her, she was a, she was a backyard breeder dog, uh, free yep. to give to good home, ribs showing, smelling terrible. Um, but one of the other dogs in the litter looked like a red cattle dog in the fur. Mm-hmm. So I, I really don't... They lived on the highway and, and goodness knows what got to the mother to, yeah. to get her pregnant. But um, she's she's just just a, a real mixed breed, you know. Yeah. Yeah, uh, very it... lean and, and muscular but um, not fat. Bit of a Heinz variety. Yes, yes. On top. fantastic dog. But the, re- the reason I ask about breed is because um, there are certain breed conditions or breed related where the animals are predisposed to things like spinal cord disease or uh, deterioration or spinal arthritis. And some of those conditions could 
lead to the scenario where uh, they can become a little bit incontinent. Um, and obviously if it occurs at night or so on, that sort of fits with that scenario. I guess the things I would be looking for is if there's any signs of neurological involvement, first of all, and that is usually going to be seen with uh, scuffing of the back feet, mm-hmm. um, difficulty going up and down stairs. Are there the two no areas? with any of that at all. No. Okay. And as I say, we've got this new four-month-old uh, four puppy that weighs 10.4 kilos, and uh, she keeps her hopping too. Well, that's yeah, that's excellent. Keeps the energy level up and muscle development and so yeah, on. She'd rather sit down though than than play with the with the puppy. But <laughs> to some, I guess that that's the other scenario. If we've ruled, if we've looked at, um, you know, checking out neurological and spinal conditions like mm. arthritis, and I I think a visit to the vet is necessary to make sure about that. We were thinking that. Yeah, yeah but once you go through that scenario, I guess the change of the uh, household with the new puppy there is going to be a factor as well. So I wouldn't rule out a behavioural component. And yeah, oh, no, it, it was it was existing pre, prior to the oh, right. puppy arriving, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I definitely want to check out the neurological factors. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So some of the, the things, those obvious things that I talked about, scuffing yes. the feet and so on, but some of the early signs could be a lot more subtle than that. And okay. what the vet would do is they do a neurological examination. So they check the reflexes, uh-huh. uh, they check the sensory patterns over the feet and the back end, yes. and they're trying to determine if there's any areas uh, where the nerves are affected. And control of the back end is a little bit complex in terms of uh, what part of the spinal cord mm-hmm. actually does control those various areas. So, for instance, the lumbar nerves which arise in if you like the sort of mid to second half of the back actually control the legs mm-hmm. but the whole tail and the perineum and the uh, anal sphincter and so on is controlled from the sacral nerves which actually exit uh, much more quarterly almost right down on, on, on the hips if you like so mm-hmm. uh, there can be areas of inflammation arthritis could be pressing on nerves and just from time to time causing this sort of issue um, there can also be effects on the bowel and the capacity of the bowel, or I guess the other thing would be... Um, Sometimes it looks like her, her anus is protruding a bit, like, and, and we whisk her outside so that she can be clean. Yeah, so and I'd it, be worried about like constipation and things like dietary factors as well. But it sounds like you've sort of covered off a lot of that. So I would definitely get the neurological function tested. It's 18 to 1. You're listening to Pet Chat today. Great to have your company. There's a spare line there right now, 49216216, if you'd like to talk to our vet, Dr. David Tabret. Your topic of the day, let's take a look at that right now, if we could, please, David. Now, <coughs> there you go, coughing. <laughs> coughing in dogs. Have, look, and really good uh, question from Heather, who asked about this question about you know, um, aspiration and, and the choking cough episode. So animals will cough for a whole lot of problems. So sometimes we think oh, coughing is to clear the back of the throat, and that's true, although perhaps it should be described as gagging or retching. And then we see dogs that coughing where it's actually a really harsh or a honking cough, and that could be an upper airway problem, so trachea. In particular, there are um, some breeds of dogs that actually get what we call a tracheal collapse, which is where the airway cartilage that holds the airway open is malformed and starts to collapse in on itself. The most common reason, however, that we see dogs coughing is because of heart disease. And what actually happens, we'll discuss this in more detail next time I'm on, which I think is next week, but uh, heart disease is quite treatable for uh, a lot of different conditions. Um, 
but the first thing people notice will be coughing. It tends mm. to occur at night. So if you see your dog coughing, take a particular note. Are they exercising, resting, nighttime, daytime? Have they just had something to drink? Uh, what does it sound like? Is it a soft cough? Is it a wet cough? And uh, if anyone's had you know sore throat yourself, you'll know that dry hacking cough versus if you've had a chest infection or something, it's a more productive, what we call a wet cough. All of those things can produce the same symptom, but it's trying to tease out what the different areas are. So we'll, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at airway disease, heart disease, and how to tell the difference. Pet chat this afternoon, 14 to 1. like to see Denny Boz lift a bit. Not much energy coming from him today. Uh, I'll stop your whinging. Please, come on. <laughs> David carrying you for the whole show. Poor David, he's doing so much here. I, I, think, I, I, was, I was quiet for the first 10 minutes. No, Jane's been waiting patiently. Jane, how are you? I'm good, thanks. I think Denny needs to lift a bit with the energy, don't you? <laughs> She's not commenting. Thanks for staying out, Jane. She will. <laughs> okay. What can we do for you, Jane? Okay, this is a bit of a funny um, pet, but I have um, some chickens, and in particular I have a rooster. He's a little, I think you'd call him a buff bantam or a peking, um, and he's a very, he's a good little boy, but we had some neighbours roosters coming over, and I think he must have got into a couple of fights, fights and he did have some eye trouble for a while. And now I just go up there and I just chase the other roosters back, and they tend to stay away a lot. But I noticed um, his eye was closed up for a while and then it came good. But recently I've noticed that it's got like a milky dip. Both of the eyes now have a milky discharge and there's definitely something wrong with his eyesight. And mm. I've kind of Googled a few things and, and I read something about a, something called Neosprin, but I don't know if that's, I think that's how you say it. I don't ne- know if it's an American thing. Neosporin. That's yeah, it. yep. That's it. And, I, and one thing, but I don't even know how to access that. And... Um, Yep. So I've just been bathing it in salty water. Also, he rubs the eyes on his, you know, his little, yep. all the feathers around his neck. Yep. And so they now become quite hard and, and almost a little bit dirty. So I've been trying to wash them so that when he does it, it doesn't aggravate his eyes more. But I, I'm just, it looked, I looked at him again today and he started crowing a lot more. There, he was, like when he went to the toilet, it was really loose and really, mm-hmm. and it was almost like a rancid smell. And I noticed that the whole hen house had that smell for a little while, and it mm. seems to have come good. But I was just wondering, it's pretty hard to get a vet to deal with chickens and, and roosters uh, that I've experienced, you know. The, well, there, uh, there, are a few, there are a few hospitals or clinics that um, do have experience with birds, uh, and it's probably worthwhile checking out that, um, getting a vet to look at him specifically. But on um, the matter of conjunctivitis which is what we're seeing or what you're seeing there uh, which just simply means inflammation of the um, tissue around the eye and in the eye itself that conjunctiva which is normally that white or creamy color and it often gets then quite red and inflamed and the white discharge you're seeing is basically pus so that's white blood cells that have been broken down trying to kill off whether it's a virus bacteria uh, could be a bit of dust in there could be another type of organism called a mycoplasma which is quite common in birds as well those sort of things would be what you'd be thinking about bathing with salty water is certainly the the best first line effort but if you're talking about say a bacterial infection something like that um, then it's probably something which is going to need a more specific um, antibacterial ointment now 
There are some that you can get over the counter. Um, however, they are less effective. So it may be worth um, might be worth looking at. I don't know whether it's like pharmacies or produce stores or so on. That um, Danny, do you know if it's a what products might be available through normal retail rather than a specific prescription? Well, there <clears> is. Um, just for, for very low-grade anti, uh, antibiotics that are available in a powder that Vetafarm makes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's doxycycline. That could be put in a drink. Would that help? Yeah. Uh, is that available without a script? Yes. Yeah. That okay. is available. So a produce store or a good mm. pet store should have that. Maybe something Jim Delaney uh, could help us with. It. Yeah. Uh, also, I know there is an antibiotic available, teramycin, which is an eye ointment. Yeah, I'm, a lot of these um, things that, have been around for a long time, mm. and so there's quite a strong degree of resistance amongst organisms. So sometimes it, it's uh, probably better just to bite the bullet and then get a vet to look at them and say, this is what you need. However, um, there are some products, as Dennis just said, that could be useful as well. The one so. that's a powder, it's called Triple C. It's triple a better farm product called Triple C. It's just a low-grade anti antibiotic. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for that. Mm. Let's continue on. We've got June joining us right now. Been waiting patiently in Swansea. How are you, June? Uh, not too bad, thank you. It's David, isn't it? Yeah. Hi, June. Um, I've got a, um, a question to ask, please. Um, yep. I've got a Maltese, a uh, little dog, and um, round, round his eyes, uh, and down, like, towards his chin uh, type of thing. It's a really ba- a bad um, reddish stain. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, um, I've been told that there was a product called um, Angel Eyes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I've tried most of the vets um, and the mobile vet to see if they carry it. But I've struck a brick wall. Um, and yep. uh I was just wondering if you knew about that product. Uh, you, you've added to their food, and it, it clears their eyes up. I don't know if it's added to the food, but I know I'll get Danny to step in in a second. Um, now, has your dog actually? How old is he? First of all, uh, well, he'll be uh, seven this year. Seven years old, and how long has this been going for? Uh, well, he's had it for a while. I couldn't put a time. Uh, limit on it. Okay. And have has he actually been seen by a vet in regards to this problem or you've just asked about the product? No, I'm just asking about the product. Okay. I, yeah. I did ask the mobile vet over the phone. Yeah, the reason why I asked that question is that the what, you, what you're describing, that reddish stain, first of all, the uh, overflow of tears out of the eyes is called epiphora, E-P-I-P-H-O-R-A. Have and... How do you pronounce it again? Epiphora. Particular. No, Epiphora. E-P-I. Oh, right. P-H-O-R-A. Yes. Now, the reason why I mention this is, yes, we, you can the underlying question is why is that happening okay because there are a number of conditions that can cause that now some of these little dogs just simply they they just get uh, overflow of tears and what happens is in your tears there is a whole range of proteins and uh, different uh, elements and so on. And some of these proteins are what we call metalloproteases, and they contain an iron base. And when the iron leaves the tears or, or it's exposed to oxygen on the, on the skin or on the hair, of course, iron and oxygen forms rust, and rust is red. So that's where that reddish stain comes from. Now, 
the the question is why is it happening? Because we could have, for instance, a blocked tear uh, tear duct. So the yeah. tear duct drains the eye down into it's called the nasolacrimal duct drains down into the nose, which is why when you cry your nose gets runny. Okay. Uh, the other things you could have is, for instance, conjunctivitis, like we were just saying with uh, our last caller regarding chickens. You could have conjunctivitis. You could also have what's called entropium, where the eyelids are rolled in. You could have extra eyelashes in the eye, uh, called ectopic cilia. Um, those problems tend to occur in younger animals, but I have seen them in older animals. And I just wanted to mention this because if we just simply use something to change the colour of the discharge... We're not really working out why the discharge is there. And as I said, look, it's common in Maltese terriers uh, to see this. And, Denny, with this, um, I thought it was something you rub on the Yeah, I'm not, aware of, I'm not aware of a product that you can put on their food to add. Yeah, I can't see how this. that would work anyway. Neither can I. But, like, for example, in our store, we do have at least three different brands of products that are eye stain removers. Yeah. So there's crystal eye stain remover, no more tears stain remover. There's a few different brands. They're all very gentle because they are dealing with a delicate <coughs> part of the body, the face there, um, with the eye, but they work quite well with just gently rubbing the product underneath the eye onto the stain. Onto the stain. Um, on a regular basis. Yeah. And therefore getting rid of that stain and keeping it off. Yes. Yeah. So, but if the, prob- if the problem is simply... If we're getting this tear staining because we've we've got a blocked tear gland, a tear duct, yes. then getting the tear duct unblocked that's right would be the better so treatment. The, what, what's causing it? And that's the more important. Mm. But uh, but they have been used. Yeah. yeah. Okay, it's Pet Chat this afternoon. We do it every Wednesday from midday till one, and we're looking to see if there's any shows on, any uh, special activities. Newcastle shows not too far away, so there'll be some activities coming up soon. There I will imagine. be. That's right. But there is a dog show being held. Normally we talk about them being held at Hillsborough Dog Show Grounds, but this one is actually in Madawi, so great for people in the Port Stephens area. This Saturday and Sunday, uh, Madawi and District All Breeds Kennel Club will hold their championship show for, at Ferrodale Oval, Ferrodale Road, Madawi. So check that out. And we talked about dogs um, who are pedigree purebred dogs. That's where you can go and see them and talk to breeders. Okay, there mm. you go. A couple of shows on. You are listening to 2NURFM 103.7. That's about it for us at Pet Chat. Thank you very much, Denny. Thank you very much. You should have paid that song early in the show. Yeah, you think? Yeah, it would have got us going. It would have lifted your yeah, energy level. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> My bad. My bad. And thank it's you very fault. much, David. Thanks, Dave. Our vet doctor, yep. David Tabard. He's back next Wednesday also. We'll look forward to your company. I hope you can join us after the news at midday.